morning. morning. Today I'll be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Uh, Excuse my bad pronunciation. (laughs) When the day of the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language, Parthians, meet Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Well, good morning, church. It's a blessing to be with you today. My name again is Carson Reed, and I bring you greetings from Abilene Christian University. And it's been a real delight to spend time this weekend with your elders and with Alan and uh, working through this church health assessment, which we reviewed in the earlier hour of the morning. Uh, I just want to say, Lake Jackson has got a great group of elders and uh, we just had a great day yesterday. I appreciate so much the spirit, their prayerfulness, their concern for the flock, their deep interest and commitment to pursuing God's preferred future for Lake Jackson. It was just a joy to be with them yesterday. And Alan, as I said earlier, I, what can you say about Alan? Uh, words cannot describe. No, uh, delight to, to be with Alan and and uh, Sharon, last night we had a great time together, and uh, you've got a great minister in Allen. And I, I want to encourage you to pray for your pray for your leaders and encourage them in their good work. Well, a few years ago, I was traveling through Nashville, Tennessee, on 440, driving along, and you know traffic. And uh, I look up, and here coming alongside me is a septic tank truck, truck, right? You know what I'm talking about? Septic removal services, something like that. And across the side, it says, Big Septic Service. I'm driving along, and I could see more, and so I I kept reading. It said, Call us Monday through Friday for service. And I look over again. It says, Sorry, on the weekends we haul milk. And I thought, What? What? What does that mean? What does that mean? It really caught me off guard. Well, we're living in a time where... Like Elvis Presley, our world seems just all shook up. <laughs> just crazy. It's just crazy. Our culture is becoming more and more polarized. You, you recognize this, right? Anxious and uncertain. You can't do anything without feeling some sort of pressure. Every time I go buy grocery store, go buy groceries at the grocery store, I'm in the checkout counter and they look up to me and say, paper or plastic, and I think, oh, you know, got to make a choice, right? 
we live in just an odd time, a time of tension and polarity, and all of that is working along uh, on us. We also live in a time, as I was describing this morning in the earlier hour, where churches generally are in decline. Christianity is increasingly seen not as the answer to things, but as part of the problem in public life and in public circles. And that, that, that that's just seems all confused and backwards in so many, many, many ways. And I want to ask, what does this mean? What's going on in our world? How do we attend to all of this craziness? And then you add to that uh, the reality of what's been going on with all the disruption of the last couple of years with the pandemic. Winston Churchill may have been the one who say it first. He's the one we think may have said it first. But there's really truth in the saying, uh, never waste a good crisis. And we're in a time of disruption. And what might that mean for us as the people of God today as we try to sort out what to do, how to live? What, what, what does it mean for us in this time and space? And then we come to our text today, which Cullen read wonderfully, right? He got through all of those, those nations and countries and better, better you than me, Cullen's all I got to say. Uh, and, but what we're hearing in that story is a, a, a remarkable and wonderful story of a group of people who were living in an uncertain time themselves, right? These earliest followers of Jesus who have witnessed the resurrection, they have been called on to linger and to wait in Acts chapter 1, and they find themselves gathered just west of the Temple Mount, and every day they gather and they pray and they wait and they wait. What does it mean? What does it mean? And then God breaks in. And God has been breaking in ever since. And that is what we want to pay attention to. So in our text today, this breaking in of God, this remarkable moment in the life of the early church where God breaks in. It, it was a day that began with great anticipation. Uh, Pentecost was a day of a celebration, first of the harvest, and then it came to be associated with the giving of the law at Sinai. And there they are in the upper room, and just like that old Heinz commercial with Carly Simon singing, anticipation, it's making me wait, right? Here they are, gathered, waiting, looking, longing, and the Spirit arrives, blowing into the room like a hurricane and empowering those folks to speak in all kinds of languages. A mass gathering of folk gathered up in Jerusalem on that time of Pentecost. People from all over the world, as our text suggests, from, from one end to the other are gathered there, devout folk from every nation. It's kind of like going, uh, I, I did 20 years of ministry in Indianapolis, Indiana, several, most of those years, within two miles of the track in Indianapolis. And I'm telling you, it's not Memorial Day in Indianapolis, it's race day, baby. And 
thousands upon thousands of people. It's the sort of thing that happens at Minute Maid Park recently, right? People gathering and all gathered in all of this craziness and all of the chaos of all of that. And in that moment, these folks are, as the Spirit breaks forth, they find themselves saying, why can we hear in our own language? What is going on? And they ask the question, what does it mean? It's a question that we keep asking and asking when God shows up among us. You see, these early disciples were persons who were paying attention to what God might be up to in their time and space. They made themselves available. They were willing to be used in some way. And in that time and space, God shows up. And maybe there's something in all of that that is good for us to think about today. And it may be that we need to pause in this time of chaos, this time of disruption, and reflect and rethink what does it mean for us to be bearers of what God is doing in the world to a world that doesn't seem to be interested at all. In fact, we might be saying, and this is the sort of question that we might be asking when we do something like the church health assessment, how do we be a better church? How can we be a better church? But I want to suggest this morning in light of what happens in Acts chapter 2, what happened in the day of Pentecost, it's, that's not probably the right question. What does it mean to be a, a better church? We may need to think about it in a way far different than that altogether. Andy Stanley re released a book a couple of years ago called Irresistible Churches. He tells a story in it that keeps capturing my attention. He talks about living in north, far north Atlanta. I know that space. I spent almost 10 years of ministry in Atlanta. And uh, up north there is his horse country. And uh, he talks about how to get, when he gets to his house, he drives along and he sees stable after stable, place to learn horseback riding. Here's how to learn how to ride a horse. All kinds of opportunities to get into horsey stuff. Horse uh, rings, horse barns, horse arenas. You, it's almost like being in Lexington, Kentucky, or actually West Texas. But, uh, but nonetheless, he, he writes about this. And he says, he says, what about my family? He says, we've never gone to any of those places. It's not because we don't, like, uh, uh, we don't know about horses. We know about horses. We just don't want to be horse people. And even though you can find all kinds of horse barns and horse stables and horse riding lessons and all of that around, none of it speaks to us because we're not interested in what they have to offer. And then he goes on to say this, post-churched people and de-churched folk find even the best churches perfectly resistible. Why? Because they're not church people. It's not that they, it's not that they, uh, uh, they do. In many cases, they, it's not what they do anymore. It's not that they don't know what a church is. It's just the opposite. They know just enough about church to know that it's not for them. So creating a better church won't change them. He says, I'm all for better churches. I sit in two or three meetings every week to talk about how to make churches better and how to make the ones we have better, but that's not the issue. And that's 
what I would say to you as I travel across the country. It's not just doing some things better. It is, as Andy Stanley will write a little later in his book, it's about doing things differently. And it's that difference that I think Acts 2 gives us a clue to see. You see, on this moment, in that time in history, these early believers in Jesus, as they paid attention to God in the chaos of their world in the early Roman, mid-Roman Empire, as God broke in, God showed up, and they followed obediently the path that he opened up for them. And that is what I want to invite you as a church to do today. What do I mean by that? What's going on in here that we might want to pay attention to? Uh, the, the reality is that God is showing up in this text. He's doing things. And these folks are following and pursuing him. And even though it may look crazy to some people, as you read on down through this text, we find uh, folks saying, wait a minute, you, you disciple folk, you apostle folk look like you're crazy or something. You're drunk. No, no, no. That's not what's going on. What does this mean? It means that God is showing up. And in so doing, we find a key here to help us think about our purpose, about what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. It means to be a church that pursues and follows God on mission. God is up to something in the book of Acts, and he's inviting us to share in it. And it all is bound up in what Paul, uh, Peter does in the verses that follow. As we move beyond what Colin, Colin read for us a few moments ago, we find actually a sermon. A sermon. It's Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. If you've ever been to Bible school, you've probably looked at it in great detail. But what's interesting as we look at that sermon, you're gonna, we're going to hear certain things about what it is that God is doing. And I want to just rehearse those real simply here this morning. That sermon that Peter preaches gives us sort of a template about what God is up to in the world. First and foremost, it is that God is showing up. You know, have you ever noticed that when we say, as we will, in just six weeks, we'll start singing songs around Advent or Christmas, and we'll sing that song, uh, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Do you know what that name of Jesus means? It means, help me out, God with us. God showing up. God showing up. Do you know what it is? that opens the book of Matthew, it is the naming of Jesus, God showing up. And you know how the book of Matthew ends? With a great commission. And the last words that Jesus says there is, and lo, I'll do it the old-fashioned way, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is showing up. That is a part of what is being done and said in this moment on the day of Pentecost. Another thing that's happening in this is that Peter is saying the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, is breaking into the world, and he is the, the Spirit is the sign and seal of what God is doing in the world. The presence of God is showing up with us. Another dimension of what Peter says in that sermon, thirdly, is that uh, this 
showing up of God is bound up in a story, a narrative. And that story or narrative uh, helps us understand our story, our narrative. What's that story? It's none other than the life and ministry and death and burial and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, right? That's our story. That's our story. It is the narrative arc. I can, I'll do this in big $64 words. It is the narrative arc of God's work and of our life together. We are bound up in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's why you got baptized, right? You got buried and died and rose again just like Jesus did. That's our story. The fourth thing that he's saying in here is that this Jesus and what God is doing in the world, this Jesus is coming back again. He's coming again. And so not only is our past anchored in this story of Jesus, our future is anchored in this story of Jesus. Our past, our past and our future are all bound up together that give meaning to our present, that God is showing up. That's the story. And it's all bound up, fifthly, in the person of Jesus. He is the one that we give allegiance to. He is the one who is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the Anointed One. He is the one in whom God is working out His will and purposes to. Folks, what I've just said in those five things is what Peter is saying in Acts 2 and in every other sermon in the book of Acts. Those five things are the gospel. The gospel. It's good news. And that is the thing that if we pay attention to that and embody it, begins to move us from seeking to be simply a better church to being a different kind of church. A church that has a heart for, for speaking this good news that God is showing up to others. That we're prepared to let go of some things in order that we can do the best things for the sake of God's action in the world. And in fact, when, we get, when this gospel starts to get a hold of us and we begin to reflect on it, something will happen that has happened from generation to generation of God's people from the day of Pentecost all the way up until today, to this day, to this moment. When the folks in Acts chapter 2 heard these things about God showing up in the person of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, the story, the narrative that he's coming again, those folks cried out, and I'll do it old-fashioned way, men and brethren, what shall we do? You remember this, don't you? Acts 2.37. And then, do you remember what Peter says on that day? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Spirit. You know these verses. And you know what? And this is the sad thing. I think living in our old way of thinking, well, just be better, we think, ah, I heard that, been there, done that, and I've got the T-shirt. I was baptized. And I want to say, wake up. Today is a new day. And we need to hear the gospel again, and we need to repent. Repentance is not something you do once in your life. It's not. Repentance is not just a one-time thing, and then we kind of move merrily on our way. Repentance is a daily 
exercise and paying attention to God's work in your life. Now, I picked up a car at Hobby Airport and drove down here Friday afternoon. And I had to repent all the way down here. They gave me this beat-up old Nissan pickup that has seen better years. In fact, I think it must have come off of some farm out here someplace. What am I talking about? I had to hold on to the steering wheel with both hands. I had to repent constantly. What am I talking I, I to. You have to correct, right? You're driving down, and oh, we're, the wind's pushing me a little this way. What do you do? Correct. I'm repenting. And then a truck comes by. Well, now I've got to correct the other way. Are you following me? Christian living, living open to the power of God showing up in my life and our life means we are always repenting. We're always altering our course. We're changing. It's like, oh, over here. And we drift. We turn that wheel a little. We, we turn our attention a little different way. We're paying attention. We're paying attention to what God is doing in the world. We're paying attention to our own uh, needs to make changes ourselves as we grow up and mature. You know, sometimes I think that the reason why God gives us uh, 70 years and if by reason of strength 80, right, Psalm 90, is that it's taking me, as an older man, it's going to take me all of 70, maybe 80 years to get my life together. Why? Well, it's about this repentance. It's about paying attention to God and being open to shift and to change and to grow and to mature and to realize, oh, a new discovery. Oh, I need to do this in a different way. Oh, I need to alter my course. And that, my friends, is what is happening with this church, and it's what happens throughout the whole of Book of, the, Book of Acts. We see a community of people who are adjusting and learning what it means to be the people of God throughout the Book of Acts. And we see them alive. We see them vibrant. We see them living uh, uh, in, in ways that, that call attention to folk, and folks are flocking in to be a part of this new movement that's bursting forth in the city of Jerusalem and on beyond. Do you know that the church went from nothing to being the religion of the empire in the fourth century without, without not one gospel meeting, without any gospel blimps? Anybody remembers that fiasco? Uh, without, <clears throat> without any kind of big crusades by the Billy Grahams of the age, it happened because Christians were simply learning what it means to embody the gospel of Jesus Christ and practice repentance, paying attention to God and paying attention to where God is showing up in the lives of other people around them. The early church flourished and grew because they were taking care of the people who were poor. They were paying attention to what was happening with people at the fringes. They were challenging people, rich and poor, to change and alter their way of thinking that honors God as the center of things, not the pagan gods of the Roman Empire. They were, they were going at it in all kinds of ways. And in so doing, a whole, a whole empire was altered and shifted and changed. Not because they were voting people into the Roman Senate, 
No, because they were learning to live as communities of faith and little towns and huge cities across the Roman Empire by being people who were practicing paying attention to God and correcting their course daily, 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 following after God. And that's what we see falling, playing itself out. And so that's what I'm inviting uh, you to do in your life together. What does it mean for Lake Jackson to be a community of faith who seeks to pay attention to God, of God showing up, that God is with us, and that the narratives, the narrative of the gospel is our story of death, burial, and resurrection, that God past, present, and future has got us. It's not about uh, our it's not about our past, it's about what God's seeking to do in our future. And we're going to play and live that out, knowing that he is with us always, even to the end of the age. For some reason, I, I was reminded yesterday as I was preparing this sermon uh, about uh, an incident that occurred many years ago in my life. I have four children, three daughters and a son. They're all now grown up and doing their thing. But my third daughter, or my second daughter, some years ago, when she was very little, five years old, and I was going away on a trip, was very. Uh, she gave me this really big hug. It was an emotional hug. It was a little more than what I normally would get in these moments. I didn't think much about it. I picked up my suitcase, and out the door I went. I got where I was going, I had a hotel room somewhere, and I opened up my suitcase, and there in my suitcase was my daughter's teddy bear. And uh, so I call home, I say, Vicki, Lauren's teddy bear is in my suitcase. And she goes, oh, I know. She said, Lauren said, as you were preparing to leave, that just, she said, I don't want Daddy to feel alone. I want him to know I'd like to go with him. Right? You know this feeling I'm talking about, right? We're all, all of us who are parents, we're people who know and love one another. She said she just wanted to send some of herself with us, with you. Church, what I'm saying here today is God is with us. He's as close as the breath that we breathe in to our lungs. He is with us, and he desires deeply to use this community of faith to bring people of Lake Jackson and beyond to faith and reconciliation and life in the name of Jesus. Will you and I say yes to this invitation of God to be a part of something much bigger than ourselves? Hey, I'd like to bow and pray, and then we'll offer the invitation. Lord, bless us today. May we be alert. Uh, may we, in our questions of what does all of this mean, give way to, oh, what should we do? And let us hear you lovingly say, come to me, turn or repent. Participate in my life. And Lord, we ask today that we'll be faithful in responding to what you desire to do in and through us. Through Jesus Christ, amen. As we stand and sing uh, this song, if you have a need or a concern, won't you make your way to the front? If you're uh, watching by live streaming, then just give us a text. We'd love to pray for you. Let's stand and sing. People need the Lord.